the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to the Four Horsemen podcast. We are glad you have joined us. And tonight, it is just the dynamic duo of Benjamin Kerfman and myself, Adam Black. Um, the other two horsemen are becoming horse in other countries. Uh, Dennis is in Albania, I believe, and Derek is in Honduras. So I'm sure they've been speaking in tongues and uh, people have been interpreting, I'm assuming. So uh, so we're praying for those guys, and I hope you guys will as well, that they'll be fruitful in their ministry there. So uh, the topic we want to discuss today, and it's kind of neat that it's me and Ben today because... Uh, we're both in this boat, but it is all about being a bivocational pastor. And for those who are listening and may not know what that means, it means that we are pastors and we have another regular job, which is a lot on our plate. So we want to discuss tonight uh, what it's like being a bivocational pastor. And um, if you're a member of a church whose pastor is bivocational, we want to kind of uh, give you some tips on that as well. But I want to begin by talking about some of the pros of being bivocational, and um, and they are some definite pros. And so, what would you say are some of the pros of being bivocational? There, um, I think uh, one of the pros is it forces church members to have to stand up and serve. Yep. Um, sometimes you're trying to goad people into do things, but if if a bivocational pastor is healthy, which I'm not always, this is something I'm learning. <laughs> Uh, if they're healthy, they'll they'll learn how to say no and to focus on specifically on prayer and the ministry of the word, which is what God's called them to in the scripture, and not doing the million other things that have to be done in church. Right. But inevitably, that means somebody's got to step up and do it. The the catch twenty two is is when people step up and do that, that the whole church actually becomes healthier. Yeah. So the the it forces the pastor to have to focus on doing what only he can do. Uh, whereas if you're full time, sometimes you get you can get stuck doing uh, a lot of other things that that really members are gifted to do and God's probably calling them to do, um, but you feel like you got to fill up your time. Or there's members that put that expectation on you of you know you're our boy and you've got to you know run errands for us and do everything. We're paying else. you to be the Christian of our church, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say one of the other big pros. Um, well, let's back up for just a second, and I meant to even begin this, but. For me personally, I'm obviously the pastor at Westwood Baptist Church where we are recording this episode. And I'm also a, my, my other job is I am a structural detailer for uh, Dave Steel Company. And so I work about 45 hours a week there. And then on top of uh, that, I've obviously got a family and the church. Where, where do you work? So uh, I'm the family pastor at Barberville Baptist in Waynesville, North Carolina. And I also work um, for Mountain Area Community Services, which is a service provider for intellectual and developmental disabilities. Nice. And so my title there is administrative coordinator. So um, we have to do things like accreditation and policies and procedures and reporting and quality assurance. And so I do a lot of that nerdy um, <laughs> spreadsheets and paperwork stuff that nobody wants to do. 
Um, but how many hours do you work there? I work I work twenty hours, so okay. you, usually about two days. Okay, um, two days a week is what I do, which which um, is really ideal uh, for yes. being in a bivocational position. So yes. I complain sometimes about being busy, which I am, but the fact is that's a lot different than work working a full time job. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then on top of that, family life and right yeah. and all that. But um, but it, going on further with some of the pros, I think one of the things that I know a lot of you guys out there are possibly in revitalization uh, roles or um, church planting roles. And uh, I would say one of the biggest uh, pros, in my opinion, with being bivocational is from a financial standpoint, um, I I don't have to worry about the church paying me a certain amount. I don't have to worry about um, my family financially. Um, And I know that's I've got a pretty sweet job, but um, I could honestly... Don't tell my church this, but I could probably do this job being a pastor um, for free. And it, that it really frees me up. And especially those of you who are in, who are in bivocational or um, revitalization situations, that it might not be the easiest situation. You know, a lot of times that some churches, and luckily this didn't necessarily happen with me, but um, some churches will try to hold that over the pastor. That, you know, their pay um, is how they can somewhat control um, the pastor, I hate to say that, but that's that's a reality. And so if you're bivocational and you have a good job and you don't have to worry about the income from the church, mm-hmm. uh, they can't really hold that over your head. And I mean, but again, I hate to say that, but that's just the reality. And I've even met some church plant guys who think that the church plant's going to be able to sustain their family. And I've, I've known several guys who've had to get out of churches or get out of church plants because they can't take care of their family, but they were unwilling to go find another job. And um, so I, I think that's a that's a downside is is thinking the church is going to be your only income, but I definitely think a pro of being bivocational is um, you can it really frees you up from a ministry standpoint. That might sound weird, but um, that's that's one of the big pros I see. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I've mentioned that in an earlier episode too. That I think uh, there's a temptation when when you're relying heavily, you know, financially on a ministry position. There's definitely a real temptation there of uh, knowing something that needs to be said or done for the good of the church, but also recognizing if you're in an unhealthy church that, that the consequences of that can affect your family. Yeah. And so when you're in a position financially to say, uh, you know, for instance, the situation I'm in, fortunately, I'm in, I'm a, a fairly healthy church now. Um, it's changed a lot, but uh, our philosophy as pastors, you know, a couple of years ago was basically... Hey, if this whole thing goes south, you know, if we made the wrong people mad and the whole budget tanks and whatever, <laughs> uh, we'll keep pastoring and we'll go get a job at Chick Fil A or McDonald's or Ingles or whatever. And with the money that I get paid, it's essentially you know a part time salary, and so it's within reason to actually go and get a second job, a second secular job, and do that and continue doing ministry. And so having that philosophy is basically like, listen, if God's called me to be a pastor here. Uh, that doesn't have to do with money. Right. And so I'm thankful that the church is able to help me provide for my family. But the reality is if the church came to me right now and said, hey, you know, our budget just can't do it and we're not going to be able to pay you next year, um, I would still keep pastoring the church right? because my, my calling isn't associated with the money. And that's a big plus because I know a lot of guys that, uh, that you know, you're struggling even with your bivocation. I've thought about it. You know, I've had guys <laughs> even talk to me and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm looking for somebody full time. Is that something you'd be interested in? 
but I love my church so much that I'm like, no, this is really where God has called me. Right. And a lot of times we use calling as a word that's synonymous with money and ministry. You know, the Lord, the Lord called, happened to call him to this other church that's going to pay him $30,000 more a year and has a parsonage. And I'm not saying that the Lord won't do that to certain churches, but I'm saying there's a lot of guys that I've seen that the decision wasn't as spiritual as they made it sound. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not hating on people trying to take care of their family. Yeah, when you're hungry, you got to do what you got to do. Right. And I, yeah, and I get that. The problem too is, is, and this is kind of another pro, uh, is having a skill set outside of ministry. Yes. Because I know a lot of guys, the reason why they have to leave that church that God did call them to and they probably should stay at is because they can't do anything else. They can't make a living doing anything else. And I've been one of those guys. The only reason I have my job now is because I had a series of employers that took risk on me as an unqualified person to let me try to prove myself. And that's basically how I got to the place that I am now. Because if you look at my resume, it's there's nothing on there for why I should be doing what I'm doing other than the fact that I've tried to build the skills and people have given me opportunities and I've taken it. But I'm telling all kinds of guys now. I mean, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're considering going to the ministry, they're in Bible college or something like that. Man, get a skill, get a trade, get something so that it's like, you know what? If the government comes in tomorrow and says, hey, we're shutting every church building down. And if we find out you're giving or we're taking your nonprofit status away, it's like, cool. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> plumb a house or I'm going to go detail a car or I'm going to go. Yeah, exactly. Like I've got something I can fall back on to where my family's going to be fed and I can keep serving the Lord. And I think there's a lot of guys that get stuck. And we're really seeing that with an older generation of guys who aren't passing the torch on because they, they can't make it. You know, they've lived in a parsonage their whole life. They've been in ministry for 30 years and they're like, well, if I leave the church, I don't have a house now. I have no equity. Um, I'm too old to get a job in another field. And uh, I'm too tired to keep being a pastor. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm just going to ride it out until glory. <laughs> and and that's where we're seeing a lot of churches that are unhealthy. And it's not because the pastor's like an evil guy or he hates the church or anything. It's just he made some decisions early on that later on in life are just not sustainable. Right. Yeah, that's a great great point. I remember I can't remember which one it was at Fruit One that told our class um, that when we if we were going on with our education to get an education in something other than um, ministry, which at the time I'm like, yeah, right. I'm called to be in. And I understand people's like, well, you're called by God. He'll take care of you. But there is also wisdom yeah. in that. And so, but absolutely. So if you're new into ministry or trying to get into ministry, definitely try to have a different, uh, another skill set, And it opens up doors for you uh, within your church. You know, if you're, if you're a carpenter or something, there might be somebody in your church that's a carpenter and you can help them out and you can build relationships via that. But, um, but yeah, I think that's really good about, um, having a, a different skill set and uh, things of that nature. So let's, let's flip the script a little bit. And we, we discussed this a little bit before we started, but, um, some of the cons of being bivocational. And for me personally, um, one of the, the biggest cons is the obvious thing is time. Uh, in the sense that um, the job I have is very mentally straining. And for those of you who know that, you might be surprised that, yes, uh, I have a mind. But anyway, um, uh, <laughs> but I, it's very mentally straining. So at the end of the day, I am my brain is fried. 
And so when it comes time to prep for sermons or uh, a Bible study or a small group or anything like that, man, my brain is absolutely fried. So my capacity, I need more RAM in the old brain mm-hmm. um, to, to, to with, withhold all that I need to think on throughout the day. And so there's been weeks that I've been mentally just absolutely drained having to deal with work and then dealing with uh, sermon preparation and just ministry in general, dealing with discipling and, and things of that nature. So it is a, it's, it's a difficult task from a time standpoint to be bivocational. What about you? Cons for you? Um, I think the cons for me, I mean, like I said, fortunately I'm in a position where I'm only having to work outside of the church a couple of days a week. But the problem is, is like that might be my time in the office, but that's not the time mentally that I'm putting into thinking about work. And so a big problem for me is just kind of my bandwidth uh, yep. mentally. Like, like you said, the idea of being tired or you have a big project at work coming up or something like that. And that occupies your mind. And then when you're trying to work on church stuff or you're trying to study or you're trying to make something happen, you've got four other things in the back of your mind that are taking up space. And so the, I, I would say probably the hardest thing for me about being bivocational is it's like having a browser with too many tabs open. You know, yep. It's a, uh, it's like how my wife tries to use Google Chrome, but, uh, <laughs> She has like 20 windows. And so, and she and I actually joke about that because there's times where I get to the point where I just can't think. Right. And I've got to sit down and do a mind map or something and just kind of dump everything that's in my brain that I'm thinking about. Um, a, a tool that I would recommend to that for people that are listening, um, there's this philosophy called Kanban, which is basically the idea that your brain can only uh, successfully do like two to three things at a time. And so, there's an app that I use called Kanban Flow, which is free, and you basically make a to-do list, and then you move things, you prioritize them, uh, and you can make lists and different things like that, and then you move those into like a to-do category, but it only lets you do two or three things at a time, huh. and then you move them into like a done category, and um, I use that on a regular basis. Like, I mean, my to-do list for church always has like 30 things on it. <laughs> and I'm always thinking about that stuff. And so what I've learned to do is, okay, well, I'm going to write it down, but I'm going to wait until I'm actually in the office. And then I'm going to look at, okay, what do I have to get done right now and try to take that stuff um, and take care of that. And I do the same thing like when we do uh, staff meetings and stuff like that. I've got an agenda on there of like, okay, what's the things that we need to do? And once I write it down, I delete it from my brain, right. you know, and I'm like, okay, I know there's a time in the future that I'm going to sit down and do this. And, uh, you know, when we have our meeting, whatever, I pull it up and say, okay, guys, here's the things that we need to discuss or we need to make decisions on or whatever. But it helps me kind of push that off um, so that it's not taking up all of my space. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, I would say, you know, if there's anything that I can change about being bivocational, um, it would be a – Honestly, probably a more entry level job. Yes. Um, you know, if I was working at Chick Fil A, I would not. I would actually be a lot less stressed. <laughs> right. Because when I clock out, nobody's calling me. Uh, I'm not doing some project. It's a matter of like, I'm gonna come in here. I'm gonna bread chicken for eight hours. I'm gonna go home, <laughs> and everybody's gonna leave me alone, and yep. I get paid. And sometimes that's actually easier. Whereas right. in my position currently, I'm in more of a leadership position, and so there's people that are contacting me like I'm a full-time employee when I'm not a full-time employee and uh, I'm very thankful for my job and it's good but there's that stress of uh, you know 
do I need do I need to check my email every five minutes in case somebody emails yep. me or if I get a text message do I got to stop whatever I'm doing and go do it right now or you know somebody going to be unhappy if I don't get this done as fast as they want it done and so I'm always living with that whereas you know when I was working in the produce department at Ingles it's like <laughs> hey it's five o'clock I just clocked out you legally can't say anything to me I'm walking out of this building I'm out of here yeah and so there's an advantage to that you know, of, of being able to have a job where you, where you just clock in and clock out. And I mean, the, the, of course the disadvantage to that is it's hard to find something that pays well enough to provide yes. for your family. Yeah. That's so, a, that's a uh, the income that you need usually comes with leadership too. And so yeah. that's kind of a catch 22. It is. Cause I mean, I worked at the Cove, um, for almost a year and, um, it was only 30 hours a week, but I was weed eating. And I'm telling you, like, I look at it now and I'm like, man, I, I wished this was, I worked there before I was the pastor here. And so there's times where I'm like, man, I wished that I was still weed eating because mm-hmm. mentally I could think on the sermon. I can pray because that's, that's the other thing about the job I've got now. I, I can't, I, I honestly can't dwell that much on right. the sermon. I've got to be focused on when I'm doing details for structure in a building. I can't, really, right. <laughs> I've got to stay focused on that. And so, uh, but like you said, trying to find a quote unquote mindless job that pays enough to take care of your family is, is kind of the balance. I would say another con, and, and maybe this is, and, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, uh, in a minute, but one of the cons that, um, I, uh, really feel myself, and I know a lot of it could be just the Satan <laughs> telling me, but there's times from a pastoral care standpoint that I feel like I'm not doing enough. You know, oh, yeah. when it comes to visitation, um, when it comes to, um, hospital visits. Luckily, I haven't had that much pressure on me, but uh, there's been times where we've had people in the nursing home, we've had people in hospitals, and I'm like, man, I, I just can't get up there. Like, and my boss, he's real. He's been, he's a Christian man, great, great guy, and he he works with me a lot. But yet, when you're doing projects, you've got a time crunch. So it's not like I can. Well, I need to take today off. It just doesn't work that way. And so that's that's another con that I feel like from a pastoral care standpoint that, that I, I'm lacking. And I honestly, it's one of those deals where I don't think I could do any better than what I'm doing, but it's still not good enough in my own head, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I would say that's another big con in my book is um, not maybe being there as much as um, some people might think you should. But that's another thing. I don't, I haven't really heard any negative people from our folks that, well, you should have been there. You should have done this because I'm trying my best. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and they understand. So, uh, that's, that's another big con I think about being bivocational is yeah, you're not going to be able to be at the hospital every single day and you're not going to be able to visit everybody like you should and, mm-hmm. um, and take care of your family. I think that's, that's another big thing is, you know, your family needs to be first, even though you've got two major time and mental consuming um, task, you know, mm-hmm. your family is still should be your priority. And sometimes that's, that, that's even a difficult thing to, to prioritize your family, um, being bivocational. And so you have to be very intentional about it. Yeah. I think, uh, another pro, uh, pro that I would advocate, which is, uh, will be a future episode on church government is, um, being bivocational in a plurality of elders is a lot healthier. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so in our context, we have three elders currently who are all bivocational. Um, but it affords us a lot of opportunities. I mean, for example, uh, we have a rule that, uh, we have to take a Sunday off every quarter. Nice. 
And so in order to stay healthy, you leave the church completely. Yeah. Like go worship somewhere else where you're not in leadership. You don't have to do anything. You just go with your family and worship the Lord and uh, just have like a day of rest, you know? And so like, uh, like next month, you know, in November around Thanksgiving, you know, uh, my family will be taking this Sunday off. We'll, we'll go to visit family and we've got a church that we go to out there. That's really solid that we enjoy. And, um, you know, so there's just some, uh, some opportunities like that where, uh, there's other guys that can help with my responsibilities so that I can be able to go and do that. Um, and like our pastor who preaches on a regular basis, there's other guys there that can preach that can cover for him. And so, um, like usually at the beginning of the year, he'll take like two or three weeks off and, you know, go out of the state or whatever with his family. And it's like, he doesn't have to worry about it. Nobody's calling him. Nobody's bothering him. And it's like, man, just go spend some time with your family, get some rest, you know, work on your marriage, all that kind of stuff. And so that's really helpful to be able to do that, especially in, in a bivocational capacity. But I think the other thing too is, is it spreads out that ministry load. So for instance, in a context like that, like you don't have to preach every week, right? you know, you don't have to, you know, I mean, like for me, you know, I have other responsibilities as the family pastor. So I, I do a lot more with the parents and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I don't have to preach every week. I teach a Sunday school class, but the reality is I've got people right now, if I, if I wanted to have a Sunday off, I could ask, you know, that I better good teachers that I could say, Hey, would you like to, to take over this class for me? Um, and so there's, there's a lot of, uh, advantages to something like that as far as not being as burned out. The same thing, like when you talk about visitation and all that, um, you know, we have, uh, five deacons right now that are awesome. And so it's like, they really step up, you know, and, uh, actually it's funny, uh, while we're, while we're recording this message, I just got a phone call from somebody, uh, that's having like an issue with an alarm or something. And, <laughs> and so I may, I, but I had somebody I could send a message and just say, Hey, can you help me with this? Right. You know, and they'll take care of it as opposed to having to be the only guy. And it's like, you know, I remember, uh, one of the churches that I served in when I was doing my interview with their personnel committee, the pastor came in with a pipe wrench in his hand because he had been in the bathroom fixing the toilet, you know, and it's like, okay, what does this tell me about the church? Yeah. You know, um, if, if he's like pa- pastor and plumber and electrician and, you know, custodian and everything else. Um, so there's definitely some pros to doing it that way. And I would encourage guys, if you're able to, obviously in some churches and contexts, you know, people may not understand the advantage of that. But a lot of times, you know, you don't have to call it elders and you don't right. have to do all that. But if you just tell people like, hey, you know, we've got other guys that are gifted to preach and lead. And we'd like to we'd like to have a, a leadership team or a right. team of pastors that can help me. Um, I think a lot of churches would be really supportive of that. You know, they, they may not necessarily see it in, in the same sense as you do, or they might not even understand it biblically. But most people love their pastor. And they see that he's working hard. They see that there's a lot to be done. And so bringing up the idea of, you know what, I'd really like to get some help. Um, or even with deacons, like, hey, we, can we get some more deacons? You know, right. I think a lot of people are, are really supportive of that in a bivocational sense. Whereas that's actually more challenging, I think, if you're full time. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's that expectation of like, well, what do you mean you can't do what the visits? What do you visits? pay you for that? Yeah, what I are you doing during the week? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and with us in our church, we don't have elders. I'm, I'm the only pastor. Granted, my father-in-law, he's been coming here and, um, you know, he's been a pastor for 40 years. So. He's, he preaches for me when I, when I cannot, but 
it has been beneficial in the sense that it has spread out the ministry load and the people understand that if it's going to have, if it's going to happen, everybody's going to have to do it, mm-hmm. um, that I can't do it all. And, um, and so that's been a definite positive, um, for us, um, that it has been spread out. I mean, we have, um, we have a care team ministry that meets on Monday morning that we, we started that, um, it's a group of ladies that get together and they'll, they'll send cards and, um, they'll, they'll write notes to people and, They've actually, uh, yesterday, they actually went and uh, visited one of our shut-ins, him and his wife, and went to the nursing home. And and, and now that we're growing, you know, everybody that's coming in, I've basically told them, you know, when they say, hey, we want to be a part of the church, I'm like, okay, so what do you do? You know, and and they'll tell me. And it's been amazing how God has brought people with different skill sets that have really jumped in and pitched in. And, And I think going forward, that that it will remain that way and um because i do believe and and i do think this is changing the tide is changing from the pastors doing everything um, and i think it might be what we were all taught you know us younger guys that you can't do it all yourself i mean my father-in-law had to retire for health reasons due to stress because he he come up in that era where the pastor did everything i mean he preached he led the music he taught sunday school he did he did everything and that was the expectation of the pastor and I, I don't want to say that we're, us young guys are lowering the expectation of the pastor, but I think I think we're actually um, actually getting back to what the pastor is supposed to do, mm-hmm. um, and, and the leading and shepherding, and like you said, you're raising up and training leaders as opposed to uh, people just sitting there and doing nothing. And so I think to to go further, and that's that last point that we're going to make. If you're in a church that you're not a pastor and you attend a church that your pastor is um, bivocational, I would say one of the big things that you need to do is serve. Find what are you good at and serve in that capacity and and, and jump in there and, and help help them out because it is a team effort. It's not just on one guy. It's not, you know, the pastor's the superstar that's going to do everything. Jump in there and help. You know, what difference are you making in the church, you know, and, and don't be that person that makes all the suggestions and all, you've got all the ideas but won't do anything. If you've got a suggestion or idea, jump on and get it done, you know, and and uh, serve, serve, serve. That's all I can tell you. And I don't even care if your pastor is non-bivocational or he's, if your pastor's full-time. Um, and find ways to serve. Find ways to help the pastor. Mm-hmm. Find ways to use the gifts that God has given you. Um, and, and just just jump in there and he, like i said that's not even if your pastor um if your pastor is full-time again serve 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 because that's what it's about it's not about sitting on the pew and expecting to be served um but it's about serving and i think it's the same thing with giving too i mean you know i'm i'm currently teaching a stewardship class in, in sunday school and it's really challenged me you know i used to be one of these guys that really felt like pastors shouldn't be paid at all and um and I, you know, through studying the scripture, I really don't agree with that anymore. And I think that that's something that uh, if you're in a position where your church is able to pay a pastor full time and you're not doing that, I think you really need to study the word as a church and look at that. Um, and I don't say that to be weird about money, but like in churches, we don't want to talk about money. But the reality is, uh, if you look at the model in the Bible and the Old Testament, which still matters, and also... <laughs> Even in the New Testament, Paul talks about uh, don't muzzle the ox while it's threshing, you know, while it's treading out the grain. And he's saying, like, if, so- if somebody's doing work 
they deserve to be paid. And and nobody nobody goes to their job and and labors and does all that and then at the end of the day they're like, Well, you know, we we decided to pay you right. half a minimum wage <laughs> you know and and uh and they're just content with that. Like, oh well that's okay, that's fine. Right. You know, and so I'm not saying the pastors, oh, don't work as hard if you're not bivocational because you're not working for money, you're working for the Lord. Right. And so you need to work in such a way that when Jesus comes back, he's going to be pleased with what you've done with his people. Right. But at the same time, if you're one of those people, uh, you need to understand that the more that you're able to meet the needs of your pastor financially, that's more prayers that are going up for you. Yeah. That's uh, more lost people that are hearing the gospel through his leadership, not necessarily through him, right? Because he's not the only evangelist in the church, but through his leadership. You know, I can speak from personal experience. I, I'm an ideal person. Like when you talk about vision, which gets that word gets overused, but when you talk about the idea, big ideas, the future, what could something become? Like that's my gift. That's what God's given me to do. But I can say from experience that that works best when I'm able to focus on that. Correct. You know, and yeah. so like you said, if I'm at work and I'm working on a report or something, I'm not thinking about, you know, how, how could how could we really uh, reach this group of people in the community? Or, um, <laughs> you know, this this family's really having a hard time and they need some support. What do I need to do to help them? Right. You know I mean, I'm not thinking about that stuff. And so uh, it doesn't need to be weird to have a conversation about paying your pastor well, because when you do that, guess what? That means that instead of doing that report. I'm taking an extra hour and saying, you know, I'm really going to go to the Lord on behalf of this family and figure out what they need. So you're paying for prayers. That. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. yeah, I'm I mean, kidding. but in a sense, yeah. It's like, hey, if if you, if you want me to pray, if for you me, recognize you know? that that you're that you need to grow as a disciple, <laughs> don't expect God to give you free leadership. You don't ask for that anywhere else in your life. You know what I mean? If I want to get better at managing my money and I go talk to a financial consultant, I don't go to, I don't, I'm not going to find a free financial consultant. Right. You know what I mean? If I'm, uh, if I need marriage counseling, I'm not going to find a free marriage counselor. The, the, there might be some of that out there, but not long term. Right. So then why do we want somebody to say, Hey, listen, I'm a babe in Christ. You know, my, my soul is weak. My spiritual disciplines need help. I, I need to be a, a better uh, husband or wife. I need to be a better parent. Maybe my financial situation is messed up. My family's going through a trial right now. How is it fair to say to somebody like, "I just need you to do that in your free time"? Right. Like I, I just, I just, I need, I need you to help me make my soul healthy and my relationship with Christ stronger in your free time. Right. And the reality is, you don't ask for that in any area. You, you don't go to your car mechanic and say, "Hey, brother, um, you know, I got twenty bucks right here. Just get to it whenever you can." <laughs> You know, you don't you don't do that kind of stuff. You're like, ma'am, ma'am, the wheel fell off my car. Somebody's got to fix my car. I can't get to work. But we think that we can go around with with souls that aren't being discipled and people <laughs> people that aren't hearing the gospel. That's the truth. You know what I mean? And so it's it's something God's really convicted me convicted me about lately. Of like, and I'm not talking about every single church. You know, if your church has got 20 people in it, right. and you got to choose between keeping the lights on and paying a pastor, you need to make me like, full time. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think, I think a, a good pastor is not going to want to do that. Right. You know, I, I'm in a position right now where I could probably demand that my church pay me more money or whatever, but it's not healthy. You know, when right. I look at the budget, I'm like, man, I'm not going to cut out s- some important ministry or something like that that we're doing so <laughs> that I could put more money in my pocket when right. the reality is I've got food on my table. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if the church grows, if the church was twice the size that it is and the budget was twice the size that it is and I wasn't getting paid more, that would be a problem. 
And, and the thing is, is that's actually a spiritual problem. Yeah, I know, Adam, you and I have talked about this. You know, a church's budget says a lot about what's important to them. Absolutely. And so it's like, man, if I look at your budget and you're like, we got $50,000 a year in the parking lot fund. <laughs> And our, and our pastor, you know, gets paid $20,000 a year. It's kind of like, okay, so, so. Flower fund. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Our church has a jelly fund. That's kind that's, that's a long, that's a long story, but one day, one day my memoir, uh, of church revitalization is going to be called Jelly Church. Um, some of the people listening to this have know what the jelly is about, but, uh, you've got churches that are like that. You know, hey, we got half a million dollars in a building fund. And your pastor's on food stamps and he's working 30, 40, 50 hours a week. And then you get mad at him because he won't go visit grandma in the nursing home right. on a Saturday afternoon instead of spending time with his kids. And that's a spiritual problem. Right. And so the money is just an indicator of the fact that you don't see the work that he's doing as valuable. Right. And you don't think that when God tells you to make sure that he's taken care of that that's a serious thing absolutely and so it's it's more of an obedience issue and a spiritual issue which is the same thing with personal giving and that's a whole maybe that's a whole other episode we should do is just on giving in general right biblically in the new testament what that looks like yeah absolutely so all y'all tithing people just remember the old testament that's like that's like 20 30 percent of your income it is so, actually yeah more than just 10%. so you better step up your game i'm just saying <laughs> but um but for those of you out there who buy vocational, keep on keeping on, you know, and um, and lead on other people uh, that that are bi vocational. And I know um, Perry Brindley, the director of missions in Buncombe, uh, for the Buncombe Baptist, that we have a bi vocational pastors meeting um, once a month. And I tell you, it's been a it's been an uplifting thing for me to know other people that are in the struggle and things of that nature. So um, keep on keeping on, and if you're um, if you're a member of a church that your pastor is bivocational, man, lift them up, support them in any way you can, serve with them, and and things of that nature. So uh, I got to get off here, but um, and Bobby Burgess, I'm turning it off now. <laughs> See y'all next week. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast, and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like. I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bass the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.